Nareem stopped target left on the board defensively. Four-star linebacker Kingston Viliamu Asa is set to make his decision on Sunday. So, what makes him such a special player, and where do things stand a couple days away from his decision? That's next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Thursday, July 20th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. You can watch this episode as well as every other full episode on YouTube, or you can listen wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're watching or listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button because I would greatly appreciate it. I'm Tyler Wojak, and I'm the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer covering college football at the Fox Sports headquarters in L.A., and I've also been podcasting about the football team since 2020. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn is the college recruiting sponsor across the Locked On Podcast Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about, you guessed it, recruiting. We're going to have Locked On Recruiting Insider Brian Smith back on the show to talk about Notre Dame's top target, Kingston Viliamu Asa, and where things stand with him before he announces his decision. Plus, we cover some big-picture recruiting topics, including the most important qualities when evaluating a prospect, the strengths and weaknesses of the Notre Dame coaching staff on the recruiting trail, and a whole bunch of other great stuff. I really enjoyed my conversation with Brian, and I hope you will too. So let's bring him in. All right, Brian Smith, the official recruiting insider for the Locked On Podcast Network, is back with us here. And Brian, even though this is technically a dead period on the recruiting calendar, we both know that recruiting never sleeps. And in the case of Notre Dame, we're all waiting to hear a decision from four-star linebacker out of California, Kingston Viliamu Asa, who will make his announcement on Sunday. Let's start with his game. Why do you think KVA is such a coveted prospect? Size, strength, speed, intelligence, all the above. He's one of the rare middle linebackers that can play in coverage on third and eight that is also 230 or bigger most guys that size are liabilities um he's good in seven on seven usually he's the kid that gets picked on in seven on seven so i saw him make a pick the other day and it was against a kid a lot more athletic you would think based on their sizes so when you have those kind of all-around skills and you come from saint john bosco one of the top 10 programs in america you're going to get a bunch of offers so He's earned it because he plays in the Trinity League in L.A., and he's proven his talents against top competition. I I think he's a great football player. Yeah, I think I'm going to go to the modern-day St. John Bosco game this year, and there's a little rumor that they might play at SoFi Stadium. They actually were supposed to play there last year, but this year I think it's actually going to happen. I'm looking forward to seeing him. At this point, it seems like Ohio State is where he's leaning, but no one really knows. He's on a church retreat right now with members of his church, so I'm not going to ask you where you think he's going to go because I don't think – any of us really do. But let's say Notre Dame doesn't land him because right now they're not the favorite. They still need to add a third linebacker in this class. Bradley Shaw, the four-star linebacker out of Alabama, went on campus in June, but the staff has a lot of work to do with him as well. So if they don't land KVA, where do you think the defensive staff is going to go as they try to get that third linebacker? Well, they'll go to Bradley, and if they don't get him, it's look, linebacker recruiting is not in a good spot if they don't get one of those two. There's no politically correct answer. So you can't be Notre Dame and then get, you know, they had a good class, uh, the freshmen that are coming in, that's a really good group. But a lot of that groundwork was done with Freeman before he became head coach. Like they were recruiting some of the underclassmen and all that. Uh, And we'll get into it as we we move into the segments, but it can't be the head coach getting kids. He's got to be the closer, not the front man, the middle man, and the back end man. 
So they they do a really good job of finding gyms and other spots, but at some point they got to get a freaking dude that every school in the country wants that's annoying to recruit, that's out of somebody else's backyard, all those things. That's how you win. Their only goal is to win a title. So uh, it's it's concerning right now. Yes, yeah, your point. It's honestly a surprise given how good Notre Dame's linebacker recruiting has been ever since Marcus Freeman joined the staff. I mean, as a defensive coordinator and then that class right before he became that coach, those were two really strong hauls. And I think personally, I might have underestimated the impact that James Laurinaitis had. Uh, it seems like when he left and went to Ohio State, that really changed some things for some of the top guys that Notre Dame was looking at uh, at linebacker. But what do you think of Al Golden? as a recruiter, because he's certainly been under fire by some of the fan base lately. Uh, I'm not sure if it's fair or unfair, but he was the head coach at Miami. That's right in your backyard. What do you think of him? A long time ago, he was one of the top, top recruiters in the game. And I was listening to a podcast the other day and somebody that coached at Notre Dame at one point, Greg Madison pointed out, he said, this is a young man's game because you're on the road so much, etc. It's difficult. As coaches get older, I know it's kind of like picked on like I'm age discrimination or something, but most guys that are older do not want to deal with recruiting. They don't, especially in the NIL era and all that. It, and look, everybody has their own opinion on the percentage of this, but somebody asked me, Brian, what percentage of it is coaching and development and what percentage of it is recruiting to win a title? And I say 80% recruiting. People don't want to hear that, but here, here's a little stat for you. Like you're going to have six or seven first – round draft picks out of your two deep if you win a title based on the last few years. Most of those kids, we kind of knew they were going to be good. There's a few exceptions. I mean, they're fine, but it's four and five star kids that predominantly win titles. So either Al Golden has to figure it out or he got to go. It, it's one or the other. And I know that's not very friendly, but the defensive staff in general, other than Mickens is not carrying their water. There does not. Yeah, I get that. And it's not only that he's old, it's that he's already been in the NFL and he's been in the NFL for the past several years. So going from that back to the college game where he has a better title as a defensive coordinator, he has to recruit. And like you said, that's not something that a lot of older coaches want to do. And I, I understand it, but I think that the way that defense plays this year, if they struggle a lot and then you add that on top of the recruiting misses on the trail lately, it, I think he's going to be uh, under fire quite a bit. But I actually want to look ahead to the class of 2025 real quick because uh, you've been on this topic for a while now. We all know that Notre Dame isn't located in an area uh, of the country that is loaded with high school football talent. I think that's fair to say. But there's a lot of talented prospects coming out of Illinois and the Chicago area in the class of 2025, particularly on the front seven. So who are some of these guys and how can Notre Dame take advantage? Well, I mean, it's just location, man. Um if you look at, say, Clemson, let's just use Clemson because they were kind of the emergent team in the last 15 years. They still recruited the same areas. They just developed them better, and they won a few more recruiting battles. Like Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, where they recruit, it's not rocket science. It's loaded, and they get a handful of kids from Florida. Notre Dame doesn't have that, to your point. So there's, off the top of my head, there's like, four or five defensive linemen that are SEC higher SEC level next year in Illinois. Names aside, in my lifetime, there's never been that number. And I've followed recruiting since 1990. I'm not talking like he might be able to, like he can play upper echelon SEC level. 
A few of them have connections to certain schools. Uh, Espinosa, whatever his name is, his brother played at Iowa as a high pick, et cetera. He'll probably go to Iowa. But they've got one of the kids is coming and another might or whatever to this barbecue or whatever it is. If you can't get the kid, it's an hour and a half away. And again, we're talking about the defensive staff here. They got to hit home runs. Um, you're not going to win. It's been proven over and over against Bama, Georgia, Clemson for D linemen down south. It is not. And those are the kids you need to win titles. It's very awkward. It's just they've got a monopoly. So when you have the rare chance to get kids out of your own backyard that are good enough to play at those schools at the critical spots that Notre Dame usually you know, has to take a lot of projects at, you can't miss. you got to hit on everyone that is legitimate academically, socially, and all that. Just because they're in Illinois doesn't mean they're interested in Notre Dame. But if they don't get at least two of those kids, I'm going to be pretty ticked because it, it's it's hand-served to you. It's an hour and a half away, and a bunch of the coaches and people in those neighborhoods want to see those kids go to Notre Dame. They're going to hear about Notre Dame constantly. If you can't win those, then there's going to be a lot of coaching changes, in my opinion. Yeah, and uh, you think back to some of the best defensive lines that Notre Dame has had recently. They got a lot of guys out of the Midwest. The first one that comes to mind is Khalid Kareem. He was from Michigan. Oh, the Michigan. Yeah, they had like three in that one classroom. Right. It was crazy. And Kareem was committed to Alabama at one point, but they managed to get him to stay in the Midwest. And now Notre Dame already lost out on Justin Scott to Ohio State. So it hurts even more when you're losing to another Midwest school because if you lose to Georgia and Alabama, at least you can be like, all right, they're at the top of college football. You can sort of understand it, but you can't continue to lose guys to schools in the Midwest. And if KVA ends up going to Ohio State, even though he's located in California, that's still another big loss. This episode of Locked On Irish is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Personally, I was the beneficiary of a LinkedIn Jobs post a couple years ago. In between working at ESPN and Fox, I found a job opening at a production company called Religion of Sports on LinkedIn Jobs, and they made it easy to contact the hiring manager, learn more about the role, and eventually I got the job. LinkedIn also makes it incredibly easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. All you have to do is add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. We all know hiring people can be time-consuming, but adding the right team member can be invaluable to your business, and LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier than ever. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's be positive here for a second. Uh, I was just wondering, big picture, based on your sources and just doing this for a living, what do you think is the biggest strength uh, of Marcus Freeman and the Notre Dame coaching staff as a whole and how they operate? What is their biggest strength when it comes to recruiting? Like, is there something that they're doing that's better than anybody else or something that's innovative, things like that? I think it's their evaluation, excuse me, of players across the board. They don't really care what guys like I think or whatever. They go recruit kids that fit their profile for what they want to do long-term kind of, you know, hear that. I know it's boring. Stick to the plan, blah, blah, blah. Stick to the pro. It doesn't change that. That's what they're doing. I know there are a couple of kids that I liked a lot better than they did at certain spots. They either offered or, you know, it's kind of milder recruited, 
but they want very specific traits. Like at DB, they want very physical kids, more so than I would necessarily think. But you know, that's what they want. There are certain traits like that. You're not going to change their opinion and they're going for what they desire. So now they're going to live with it. But at the same time, they also got Benjamin Morrison last year. So they can kind of figure it out. I'm curious to see like Mookum last year was a kid they got late in the process after Keeley flipped. I, he only played like six, eight games. Yeah. But I was barely like, been playing football. I was like, holy cow. That is, he's a classic boomer bus kid because athletically he's as gifted as it gets, but his technique is terrible. Like you said, he's barely played football. Is he going to come in and dominate? No, but he could be a 290 pound three tack in two years. That's, you know, going to be right off the board for Mel Kuyper. You've got to find a few kids like that when things don't work out at the top of your board. So they've changed and they figured it out as they went. My only concern is still, it, it's the same one that's bitched about on every message board for Notre Dame. Why aren't we getting some five-star kids? And we all know what, what goes into that. And I'm not trying to dig into that rabbit hole, but come hell, come high water. That's still the thing they've got to figure out. They've got to get a few more top-notch kids to at least increase their odds to win a title. I want to get to that, but first I want to ask you about the evaluation because I think that's really interesting to, to me because you watch a lot of tape. Uh, that's one, one of the things that I really respect about your work is that you actually watch it yourself and you're formulating your own opinions and you're not being swayed by what other people say. But the tape doesn't always tell the entire story with every prospect. There's so many other factors that will determine if a player is going to be good at the next level, like work ethic, coaching, situation, like any number of things. So when you're evaluating prospects, what are the most important qualities you look for on and off the field? Well, on the field is explosiveness and being physical. Um, I had a, there's a kid, I'm, I won't say who it was, but somebody said, Hey, go look at this kid. This is five, six years ago. Notre Dame's taking a look at him. Tell me what you think they like him at DB. I go watch the kid. He, he was playing receiver mostly for his high school that night. And he was the most non-physical player on the field. And I said, he's a track star, but he's a terrible football player. Kid ended up going to a different school, big name school, and he was done immediately. He didn't want to hit anybody. He just wanted to run around. Well, you want to run track, go run track. But it's the same thing I said. Like, he, he wouldn't tackle anybody. He just wanted to make guys miss and run. He's not a football player. So that's one. And, and then the other one is, is the ugly side of this, especially with all the crap that's going on with NIL. And I kind of have my own tracking measurement that I'm working on right now about schools that really focus on it, how the, how the rosters develop and how, how well they get into the playoff chemistry. Because I know I've had some background with some kids talking about it doesn't always work out well with the chemistry of the team, guys that get paid and guys that don't. But if you really look at it, just the people around them, the coaches, like there are certain schools down here in Florida, if I call a coach, and I say, I see your kid got X, Y, and Z offers. Obviously, that's good. I said, now tell me, did he get offers because he's a dude or because he's a dude and he'll go to class and he's not an idiot? They know immediately because I ask them the same questions every year. And there are certain coaches I trust more than others. But it's that off the, stuff, off the field stuff that Notre Dame wants to know about. These elite players, a moron can scout most of them. It's like Notre Dame, it's just a different deal. You actually got to go to class. I've got to plan a long-term schedule. I've got to get an internship. You know, it's business proposals, et cetera. It's a lot of time away from football that at a lot of state youth schools, you just don't have to do. So I'm, I'm respectful for how Notre Dame does that because they're still graduating an insane amount. 
And I kind of look at it from the same because a lot of schools are struggling now keeping kids that are even good students because there's a lot of bad fits and they're screwing up their rosters. So these rankings, I don't look at them quite the same as others. For one, quarterback needs to be ranked in a completely different way for your classes instead of everything being equal. That's another story. But how do you get chemistry? How do we grade that? That's some of the things that I look at and I can't talk about it necessarily publicly, but there's some kids that are great players that are just idiots. They're just, it's just true. And I'm like, that kid ain't going to make it. And like we joke, like some of the guys on the recruiting trail, I know we joke about like, there's no way in hell he's going to make it there. And then almost always they come in fit, man. Are you recruiting fit? So those are some of the things I look at, whether it's Notre Dame, Oregon, Florida State, whatever. Off the field has become huge because so many kids are now leaving state. They didn't used to do that. Uh, over half the kids in Florida now, they hit the road. It's unbelievable. It used to be polar opposite down here in Florida. Yeah, it's really interesting, and I got to imagine all the things that are probably not fun for a coach to do when they're recruiting. I have to imagine no. that dealing with the entourage, let's call it, all the people around the recruit that are pretty influential, that's got to be the worst. I mean, the travel's got to be bad, but I, I can't even imagine dealing with some of the people that these coaches have to deal with. Um, outside of quarterback, what do you think is the toughest position to evaluate? Oh, that's easy. Interior offensive line. It's not even close. Uh, matter of fact, that's worse than quarterback. Uh, the is problem it the size is, disparity? Like at the high school um, level? Oh, that's part of it. But there's numerous factors that go into O-line. And I'm not an O-line coach, but a buddy of mine is. And I always ask him questions. But to think about this, most of the film that you see at the high school level is from the side. If you're an interior offensive lineman, I can't even see your, your hand placement and stuff. Like some of the, I love the Texas kids because they have so much money at these schools. They got indoor facilities, yeah. literally. 1080, 1080p HD cameras on the coast. <laughs> I need to literally, every single play need to be up and vertical, you know, like at an angle to see what they do. It's not realistic. So O-line, interior O-line is terrible. Uh, tackle, you can see a little better, but it still comes down to how well they move in space, are they physical and can they bend at the knees? Those basic things. If you can do those things, you can get a kid bigger and stronger and he can learn the playbook. Still athleticism above all else. Yeah, that makes sense. Now getting back to the Notre Dame coaching staff, uh, we talked about what they do well. What do you think that they could be doing? Maybe it's one thing, maybe it's multiple things that you think the staff could be doing better. That doesn't have to do with like the limitations that they don't have any control over. Like I don't fault the staff that the school is located in Northern Indiana. That's fair. <laughs> um, they've been battling that since, what yep. is it, 1842 or whatever it is? Yeah. But I think the biggest thing is still the number one thing in society, communication. It's one thing to call a young man. It's another thing to connect with him. And sometimes, I mean, to use an example, Davion Dixon connects with about anybody. He's a 25 kid from Miami. He actually transferred to Miami Palmetto recently. Uh, smart kid, military family, all those things. He, he'll be fine. But he connects with the coaching staff. He likes Al Washington. He likes Marcus Freeman, blah, blah, blah. Again, easy kid to get along with. So how good a barometer is that? More importantly, how do you get along with the kid that's a little edgy, that's a little more difficult, which usually those kids are corner and D end. What positions does Notre Dame usually struggle? Those kids don't fit Notre Dame. They just don't. You still have to get them or you're not winning titles. And I'm not talking about getting some, I'm talking about getting these guys. Kids, you're going to have to kiss their you-know-what to get them to sign with you. 
It's a, it's a one trick pony deal, man. It's a very narrow path. Notre Dame has to find a way to communicate with those kids better. And that also means I know this is a nasty word in or nasty phrase. They got to find a way to be more competitive in NIL, not necessarily upfront money, but there's got to be something they can do to at least get them on campus. They get NIL money after, but these kids want upfront money. And it's, it's a problem. The top 50 kids, most of them want it or they're not signing with you. I don't know what the answer is there. They just, that's just the way it is. What's the problem for Notre Dame? They don't get top 50 kids. It's, it's a problem. So the communication to get by that a little bit helps. But at the end of the day, they also got a plan together, and that includes administration, Brady Quinn and all that, to make sure they can find the best way to get kids to want to come. Because I don't think selling four for 40 means much anymore at all. Even to kids that are 4-0 kids, it just doesn't mean much. And that used to be Notre Dame's biggest selling point. A lot of Notre Dame fans are probably hearing this and cussing, but it's just true. I deal with this daily. Nobody talks about the academics that much at all. Very, 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 very little. Doesn't matter what background they're from, Catholic school, public school, doesn't matter. It's about football. So they, they got to communicate better and they got to come up with a better plan for some of those special kids. No, I'm with you on the messaging, especially with 4 for 40 on the top guys. Like if you're a five-star, you're thinking, okay, well, I do want a life after football. If I go sure. to a big-time program, I'm going to make a bunch of money and then I'm going to go to the NFL and make more money. So I might not need that job as much. I might just need to know how to manage that 100%. money, which these other schools like Georgia and Alabama, they can learn how to manage money there. Uh, the degree might not hold the same weight as Notre Dame, but I, I fully agree with you on that, on the messaging there. Uh, I am a little bit surprised that you said communication because when Marcus Freeman came on staff as a defensive coordinator, that was one thing that he really preached. It was building relationships with these recruits, with their families, and all of that. So do you think that has taken a step back a little bit since he became the head coach? I don't think it is for Marcus. I'll let you figure out where I'm pointing here. <laughs> there are certain guys on the staff just aren't very good recruits. I'm starting to think it's on the defensive staff based on how this is going Look, so far. <laughs> and I'm a very blunt guy, and I know this isn't friendly. There, Again, I think 80% of college football is recruiting. If something didn't definitively change – this season, between now and signing day, there would be three guys that I would not have on my coaching staff, period. You're not beating Georgia and Alabama how you're recruiting on defense. End of story. It's your, it, And that means you got to fire friends. This is a litmus test. Will you fire friends? Good coaches have bad friendships because they, get, they fire their friends. It is what it is, bro. So either they figure, I don't care how well they coach this year. If you cannot recruit at a top-notch level, you got to go. It's, it's a checkbox. Yeah, and it's the thing that Freeman said over and over again when he was introduced as the head coach. He said, we're going to hire the best recruiters, and we're going to recruit the best. And so he far, has it, just, it hasn't lived up to that. But I want to close out uh, with a couple questions that pertain to you. Um, you've been doing this for a long time. You followed Notre Dame for a long time. Is there a prospect out there who was kind of under the radar that you were super high on uh, and then delivered at the next level, more so than any other player? Golden Tate. Um, he, uh, it's a weird, he, Minchie, same high school. Yeah. It's Tennessee, ironic. right? Yeah. Yeah. He was a kid that played running back in high school and you had to do some projection with it. Notre Dame took quite a while to offer. And it was kind of a weird deal because you could see of his explosiveness, but Charlie Weiss was the coach at the time and he wanted polished ready. He was going to have to teach him receiver. He knew nothing, <laughs> but he just ran by yeah, it. Just give him the so ball. <laughs> Uh, a couple years ago, a great stat, like he had the most make-you-miss plays in the NFL, even in, later in his career. 
dude, that's just God-given ability. The guy in a, in a phone booth, he makes you miss. Can't teach it, and that's how you get yak. So he's one of the greatest players in Notre Dame all time, and he's a three-star guy. Yeah, he was unbelievable. One of my favorite players to watch ever because every time he had the ball, it was nothing but excitement. He sure, <laughs> and he sure as hell let the defender know about it too. That touchdown oh, he had he against, was arrogant as all. Oh out. my god! That, do you remember that touchdown he had against? This is going way back. This is USC two thousand nine. He had a catch in the end zone. It was double covered. Taylor Mays, who also talked quite a lot for USC, caught it. I think he threw the ball at him. He was that was great. All right, now on the flip side of that. Uh, was there a prospect who committed to Notre Dame that you just missed on, that you were really high on, and he ended up being a disappointment? been a lot of them, but usually it's injury-related, so I hate to... Yeah, uh, let's not count those. Um, wow, one guy. That's almost impossible. Forget the, uh, the guy that signed with Notre Dame at quarterback the year after Clawson. Uh, what was his end-up transfer to Kansas? Oh, Dane Christ. Name. Dane Chris. That dude had I, there's one John Elway arm, but his arm wasn't. I mean, it was insane. He just he was very soft mentally in terms of taking coaching and stuff. Couldn't handle it. And he just never got better. I mean, he yeah. could have been a 10-year NFL player, no problem. Just wasn't, wasn't strong enough above his shoulders. I hear you. Well, be sure to check out Brian's YouTube page, the Florida Football Scout, and be sure to check out all the work he does across the Locked On Podcast Network. Brian, I always appreciate the time, man. Stay cool out there in the Florida sun, and uh, I'll talk to you again soon. All right, buddy. Take care. That'll do it for this episode of Locked On. Irish, thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Brian. And for the everyday listeners of the pod, be sure to tune in again tomorrow morning because I'm going to have Greg Flamong from Irish Sports Daily back on the show to discuss expectations for Marcus Freeman in year two as the head coach for the Fighting Irish. Before you get on with your day, remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts and follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Irish, on Instagram at Lockdown Irish Pod, and my personal Twitter account at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.